And welcome back to the Sporting Lounge. Thank you very much for tuning back in. Today is November 28th, 2023. And here with your gracious host, Austin. Let's give a round of applause for him, boys. And yours, Harley, Derpermation, Shane, whatever you want to call me. Uh, over here at twitch.tv slash Derpermation. Don't forget to give us a like, a follow, a sub, whatever you want to do. We appreciate the support. And today, that was so fucking late. That was, was so fucking It's after. After. Today, we are going to be diving into a few topics. So... Starting off with college football news, Michigan Wolverines go ahead and take down the Ohio State Buckeyes. They go ahead and claim their spot in number two going into the Big Ten Championship against Iowa. Bulldogs are going into the SEC Championship against Alabama. Washington is going for the PAC Championship against Oregon. And... Who's Florida State playing real quick? Uh, Louisville. Okay. So all of them are valuable wins as well. Um, But we were talking a little bit before we went live on what teams we thought were possible to swing all the way back up and maybe steal a spot in this top four to make a run at the national championship. So why don't you lead us off with that? Which part? I don't know, like, whereas, you know, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, so, you know, like, Washington, I think Ohio State's pretty much out of it at this point. Um, They would need Michigan and Florida State to lose to be in it. Yep. Um, Or or potentially Michigan, or not not really Michigan, Florida State and, and Washington to lose. What about Georgia? Do you think Georgia has a application to this? I think Georgia would fall to four. I think because they'd be losing to a good Alabama team. Mm-hmm. So I think they fall to four. But I don't think they necessarily fall out of it. They'll still get some love. They'll they'll fall to four. If what about Alabama? Do you think they could climb up to the four? No, because if, if Oregon wins, then I think they get the bump to Oregon and Ohio State. If if Washington and Florida State lose, I think they give the bump to Oregon and Ohio State. But the other thing I could see possibly happening is if Texas Texas beats Oklahoma State, mm-hmm. and and then like Washington and Florida State lose, they could give it to Oregon and Texas over Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Which I could also see happening. I think so Alabama, if Alabama beat Georgia, I don't think there's a way you can't put them in the top four. But if Oregon, well, I mean, if Oregon and Texas lose, I mean, when they make a pretty strong argument as well. That's true. But Alabama's only loss is to Texas. So, like, what if Texas true. loses? Yeah, they go down to maybe and two. Maybe, but if Texas wins, you know, in a way they kind of have that tiebreaker over Alabama, mm-hmm. so I could see true. them getting that over them. 
Yeah. Just like if, if Michigan lost and it was between Michigan and State, I could see it going to Michigan because they kind of have that, in a way, tiebreaker. Right. Ohio State. Yeah. So I won't be surprised either way. The top four, I think, is pretty much in flux at, at the moment, right? We could see some pretty dramatic shifts, especially if the teams if teams lose. Mm-hmm. Or if all the teams lose, that'd be pretty wild and it's never happened, but it could happen. What if they do? Okay, let me ask you this. If all four teams lose, what is your predicted top four? I got to go. I think Michigan holds in at number four. I think Oregon slides to three. I think okay. Texas is one and Bama two. I like that. Texas one, Bama two. I think it would I be can a jive. heck of a shit. And the thing is, like, I think you hit it right on the head. Like, you can't put Ohio State over Michigan because Michigan lost the extra game because they already beat Ohio State. They got that tiebreaker. So, right. like, you know, they have, Michigan have to lose bad. bad. Yeah. yeah Michigan, Michigan would have to lose bad yeah. for Ohio State to get put over them. Yeah, it had to be embarrassing. Right, exactly. So, like, I just don't see that happening. So, like. In the case scenario, Michigan loses. Like, I think that they're the team that would get the pass because, like, in the same breath of you saying that about Ohio State, well, you can't put Georgia over Bama if Bama beats them. I mean, I get it. And then, like, in the same breath, then, like, you know, Texas goes ahead and gets the win against Oklahoma State. It's a valuable win. They're at 12 and 1. And Alabama only lost to what team? So I think that's how it is stacked up. If that was the case scenario that happened this weekend. Yeah. I get it. I'm not against it. I'm just interested, just interested to see what happens this weekend. Cause that's going to tell us a lot. But like if all four teams do, that'd be kind of... I would I would hate to be the playoff committee. Yeah. But next year, next year we're not going to have to really worry about this as much because they're going to 12-team format. Yeah. To, as well. So Thanks it'll be that. a lot different. Thank you for the sub seven over eight, by the way. Thank you. Yes, thank you. So kind. Yes, yes. Um, That transitions us into our next topic I want to touch on real quick. Red Wings acquire NHL greatest 100 player list nominee or list participant, I should say, Patrick Kane. Oh, spicy. 35 years old. In the twilight of his career, was this integral piece to that Blackhawks offense back when they got three chips in 2008, 2010, 2012, I believe, or 2010, 2012, 2014. I just can't remember. Um, it's one of those. Um, off the back right here. Sorry. Um, but yeah, it was one, one year. Blackhawks. One year, two point seven million dollar deal. Yep. Um, he was an MVP for a season. Also got most valuable player for. Uh, his win in 2012. He has that infamous goal against the Flyers. <laughs> Very prolific player. Um, you know, more of like, he's still good. Like, you know, hockey players in their mid-30s are still good. I think he'll add like a good veteran presence to the team. And with his team being so young, getting a guy like that to go ahead and lock up that wing, I think is going to be very integral for a team that is all of a sudden having a very positive season. At 11 and 6 at 3. Uh, you know, they're 
like only three games behind right now, you know, like from first place. So it's yeah, anybody's than, game right now. Better than they have been doing in the past for sure. Yeah. Because usually we're used to seeing them towards the bottom of the Atlantic division or the conference. Yeah. So I'm excited about this. So, how, I mean, how poor do you think he's going to be to the team? I think like his play time, like what he does on the ice is going to be like integral. I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be like a B level role player. I don't think he's going to be at his A level just because of his age. And we've seen him regress. He's coming off injury as well. And that's a big reason that he was not going back with the Rangers, you know, um, and of course he signs right before the Red Wings play the Rangers. So like it's just like, hey, we're coming to town. You want to come on the plane back? Type of deal. And like, <laughs> there you go. Uh, like sure. <laughs> I guess. <Yep>. Why not? <laughs> that that's it. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of funny. Um you know, I think he's past his prime, but he's still going to be a very valuable player. And the thing is, like that veteran presence as someone who's won those chips. Someone who's been an integral player, who's someone who's been humble, you know, someone who is that leader, you know, like that Blackhawks offense back in the 2010s was menacing, and a big reason was because he he just be able to shoot the puck from anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. So very very good signing. Um, I'm very happy. Yeah, like, and I I think it's a piece that might put him over the edge. Like we might be looking back at it and like three or four months and be like that that Kane signing that was the piece that changed it all you know that that's the piece that made it from the Red Wings were good to the Red Wings were great and I wouldn't be surprised if this signing was that okay so you think this is kind of like a pivotal moment essentially some we're gonna look because, back like, on when the season yeah because you got to realize what's been added it's not just a player that is good it's a player that's been there it's a player that's like relevant still like Mm -hmm. think of it as almost like a Bobby Wagner in the NFL or you know a Bob Miller you're getting two things when you're signing this player you're getting a really good player that's in the twilight of their career but you know they're still worth that big bag because of what they're bringing to your younger players too Mm -hmm. they're bringing that winning mentality it's an extra coach in the locker room and that's really good for this Detroit team that's so fucking young like, I mean, sometimes all that makes a difference is that veteran presence. And I think a lot of times that's understated how important that is. Yeah. And this might be something that proves that. And they got him on a cheap-ass deal, too. Yeah, $2.7 million. Yeah. Not bad for a year. No. I mean, pretty pretty cushy for a guy that's close to retiring. Shoot. Hey, and, you know, like, the thing is, like, as I said, he already got nominated to the NHL greatest 100 players list. He's already on it, bro, and he's an active player. Yeah, and he's he's top 10 currently um in in points and goals. Yep. He's like All fourth most active, fourth most active for goals and sixth most for points. Active wow. wise, which is crazy. Uh real Speaking quick at NFL news real quick before we skip to that. Uh, Jock Taylor's undergoing thumb surgery. So he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. And then also David Tepper, the owner of the uh, the Panthers, 
would not comment on why he fired Frank Wright, but defended his stance or reasoning, I guess, for drafting Bryce Young, which I thought was pretty interesting. What do you think of that whole Frank Wright situation, man? Oh, gosh. I'm I'm a... I'm a pretty firm believer in coaches deserve at least two years, three years. Yeah. Because the, the, before they hired him, the Panthers, I think, and I think you would agree, were in a pretty bad spot. Yeah. You know, so, like, I get it. They're 1-10. It, it was a very, very poor season, but they also didn't make a lot of moves in the offseason either to help the situation out. You know, they drafted Bryce Young. They signed uh, Adam Thielen. Which I think were their two biggest moves that at least I can think of at the moment. But I don't think they really did anything to help the situation. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the firing was unnecessary, but I'm not surprised about it. They should at least wait until I think next year. I think like you hit it right on the head because like what you just did was like Frank Wright, like in the public eye gets like two years like we get one bad season oh you know everybody has a bad first season you know whatever yeah in the public eye you're not getting pressure from your fans yet you know you might start hearing mumbles and shit but that doesn't mean you just press the big red button look what the Steelers just did you know which we'll get into that but like look how long the Steelers held on to Mac that's what good organizations do is they trust their coaches and they hold on to them Look at an organization like the Lions. Up till recently, they give up on their coaches almost immediately. They finally hold on to Dan Campbell for a bad season, and then all of a sudden now they're looking like they're building a fucking dynasty in the fucking Motor City. You know? This is what, his third year, right? Yeah, and his first season was ass. Second season season was a little better. It improved. I think they got seven or eight wins. Maybe nine, I can't remember. I think it was nine. Yeah, but then this year they're looking like a top three team at an MC, about to win the division. Yeah. You know, so it's like you you can't cut the cord too quick. You can't pull the cord too quick. Yep. And I think a lot of owners feel like they have to when in reality they don't. They just need to make bigger moves, better moves in the offseason through free agency and the draft. Because, like, at the end of the day, you know, look at the Hugh Jackson experiment in Cleveland. Those two seasons were miserable, but look at the profits you got out of it on the other end. Like, Cleveland has a very talented roster built now because of that Hugh, Hugh Jackson era. If Hugh Jackson wasn't the coach for those two seasons, they don't have the pieces that they have right now. They just right. don't, you know? And, like, Baker probably shouldn't have left Cleveland. Now we're looking back on it with rose-colored glasses, you know, Cleveland probably should have re-signed Baker. And Baker probably should have been their franchise quarterback. That's probably how it should have went. Especially with Kirkland with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He would have been cheaper. <laughs> and he would have been better than Watson has been. Because say, say what you will about Baker. You know, I'm not a big Baker Mayfield fan. But he's better than what's Watson, what Watson has produced on the field. And you can you can always say one thing for sure about Baker. And that that's he's competitive. And he's gritty for it, you know? Like, he's a gritty fucking guy. He's the type yeah. of quarterback that will grind your game out and get you a win in a game manager style. He's gritty, you know? Um, And 
you know, when you got a guy like Nick Chubb in your backfield, you know, forbidding in- injury, where we're looking at that full roster, you know, a guy that's coming on like Jerome Ford, and you got Green Hunt back, you got Amari Cooper. You know, imagine what Baker could have done with that offense. Look what he's doing with the Buccaneers. He's not elite, but that that Browns defense is way better than that Bucks defense. And a lot of times you're not really putting the losses hat on Baker's head. Yeah, he, he's been, Baker's been above average. He's been a serviceable quarterback. Do you think Deshaun Watson has been above average? Let's look this up real quick, because I don't think he has. I don't think so either. Stat. I'm just going to pull up the stats real quick. Let's see, let's see, right. let's see. All right, so Deshaun Watson... He is 61.4% completion, 100 and uh, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. So about as average. an average as you can get. Yeah, so he's teetering that line of like above average, below average. He's, yeah. I, I'd say right at Perfectly average. Perfectly yeah. average. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. All right, Shane, let's watch you lead us into our first game. Packers, Lions, Thanksgiving. I predicted Lions were going to win 34-14. I was <laughs> wrong. Uh, the Packers <laughs> stuck it to him, and it looks like Jordan Love's finally coming out. The last couple weeks, he has been playing a lot better. Mm-hmm. He is getting more players involved, I would say. he He's making better reads, better decisions. I think it's too late for the Packers to turn it around, though. I hate to say it, but it just depends. It depends on how the teams above them do. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't think... I, they could still get five more wins and potentially make the playoffs, right? Five, six more yeah. wins and make the playoffs. That's not out of the realm of possibilities. Unlikely, but not out of the realm. Because, because I mean, right like, now, the right now they're schedule. eight. Right now they're... They got... They got the Chiefs next week, so let's say they lose that game. But then, check it. Giants, Buccaneers, Panthers, Vikings, Bears. Five wins right there. Depending on, how, but then, uh, depending on how the Vikings and Seahawks do over that, that same span, that could be enough to bump them up. Yeah. Right? Because even if the Vikings just... They overtake the Vikings, right? That, that puts them in the seventh seed. That's the playoff. Mm-hmm. So the 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 Packers are very much in it, right? They're not out of it yet. Especially Jordan Love comes on and he keeps on performing like this, man. I mean, Jordan right. Love was putting on a clinic against that Lions defense, man. And that Lions defense has proven sound this season. And then all of a sudden, they're just getting picked apart all day. Right, and and then underneath the Packers are the Rams and the Saints at nine and ten, mm-hmm. but the Packers own the tiebreak over both of them, so that even counting for that, that, that kind of contributes to the fact that the Packers could still very much be in the playoffs, right? That they're not out of it yet because they own that tiebreak. Yeah, for wild card seed, right? Mm-hmm. So they don't need the Seahawks to do bad; they just need one of them. Yeah. Yeah, they just seen one catch up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, on the line side of the ball, you know, like, it wasn't like they were bad, but Jared Goff just, those three fumbles lost just really fucking hurt him. 
it was like he had no pocket awareness. Yeah. You know, when I was watching the game, it, he was holding on to the ball way too long, he seemed like. Yeah. And uh, he didn't really know where to go with it. Yeah, it seemed like, you know, the Packers have a sneaky good defense, man. Uh, they're really good at dropping guys in his own coverage and exotic schemes and really getting guys mm-hmm. to hold on to the ball for that extra half a second. You know? Yeah. And that's all that matters. That half second really, 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 really matters. So, like, and it was what I thought was really cool about the Packers is they played very good secondary, but at they blitzed at the right times, I felt like. Mm-hmm. At the exact right moment, they blitzed. And on those blitzes is when he fumbled. You know, yeah, they Rashawn had Gary two like strip- a superstar. Rashawn Gary was impressive. He had a strip sack, you know, late yeah. in the game. So, like, a lot of credit, I don't think enough credit, is really going towards that Packers defense. Because they stopped a yeah. very high-powered Detroit offense in that game. They fucking did. They definitely did. You know, Rashawn Gary has really been coming into his own this season. You know, he's at eight and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. You know, we're not talking about Defensive Player of the Year talks yet. But the guy's 25. They got him at a young age. And, you know, you almost want him to have, like, a season like this right when he's about to re-sign so you don't have to pay him that T.J. Watt-like bag. Right. <laughs> you, you get to you get to pay him, you know, more of a Bud Dupree-type bag. You know, right. You know, uh, we ain't talking about 25% of our cap salary. We're only talking about 12%. Um, right, but, like, and it, it, if you start Jared Goff, you're kind of a little upset because yeah. he had those three fumbles but also had two touchdowns, so it kind of saved his day a little bit. Um, if you start David Montgomery, you're happy because he had 71 yards and a touchdown, so he had about 13.1 points. Mm-hmm. If, and then Amon Ra, of course, I think is an every week start. Obviously. Had himself a nice little day. But Khalif Raymond was kind of the surprise. Five catches, 90 yards, so he had a pretty good fantasy day as well at about 13 Sam points. Sam Laporta looking like a top three tight end again. Sam Laporta having himself a nice little day. You know, because he had, well, like, almost 14 points, so he had a pretty good day. You had a lot of Detroit receivers and a couple of running backs having a pretty good fantasy day. Jameer Gibbs still proven to be a valuable flex. Yeah, 11 carries, 54 yards. No touchdowns, but he has some nursing yards. Yeah, but he had some receiving works, right? So he helped it out, and he made it a little bit better. Uh, Jordan Love, Jordan Love, you're happy to start because he had three mm-hmm. touchdowns. And no I believe no, turn, no, turn, no turnovers. So yep. you're cool with that. Uh, yep. The Green Bay running backs, nothing really of no. You had A.J. Dillon, 14 carries for 43 yards, which we kind of foresaw, right, because uh, Aaron Jones was out. And then Christian Watson kind of exploding a little bit, five catches, 94 yards, and a touchdown, and, which is really, I mean, the only wide receiver of no. But, I mean, Jaden Reed had – himself a, a touchdown catch was saved his fantasy day because before that he only had three catches for like 20 some yards yeah but then he got so the like, touchdown do you do you feel comfortable starting watson this week moving forward um not really granted i mean he had he said a, a touchdown the past two weeks but before that he had two receptions 22 yards one reception 37 yards three receptions 33 yards so like he hasn't been consistent enough for me to want to start him. Mm-hmm. Actually, for me personally, I like three weeks of, of consistency. 
before yeah. I'm going to actually oh. like plug you like every week, kind of plug you in. Here's here's my set that makes me feel a little bit more comfortable with him being a start at wide receiver two moving forward. In both of his last games, yep. he has two. He has at least one touchdown. So we're starting to see flame catch, right? Yeah. In his last yeah. five games, three of those games, he's been targeted at least seven times. He, he do begin targeted. One of those games, so the potential was against the Steelers when he got locked down by JPJ. Just saying. He got locked mm-hmm. down by a rookie. By a rookie, you know, we'll get into that later, but he, he got locked down by a rookie. No one but about that rookie. <laughs> with that being said, you know, like with the targets being there, um, realistically, like I wouldn't be surprised to see him get 50, 60 plus yards consistently. Not this 94 yard type performance consistently, but 60 yards with the upside of a touchdown definitely makes him an attractive pickup. The potential's there, and, and I get it. But for me, it's just like, that potential versus consistent fantasy points, right? I don't know what it is about, but I like to see those consistent performances with, you know, 12 plus fantasy points, not really yep. just targets because how good were those targets? How many of them were catchable? Right. How many of them were just Jordan Love scrambling and then throwing in the direction of Christian Washington, which counts as a, which counts as a target? Sure. So that's just my hesitation with it. That's kind of what it goes down to for me. I think with Jordan Love coming into his own, too, I think these last couple weeks we've seen it. I think even we could say these last four weeks, one of those games was against a tough Steelers defense. Like, just, mm-hmm. I'm not circling on the Steelers because they're my team, but because, <laughs> like, actually, last last four weeks, they played against a tough Steelers defense. He still looked pretty good, um, and he's looked really good the last four weeks. And in his worst performance against a good defense, he still looked pretty good. Right. So, like, that's why I'm feeling more comfortable with Jordan Love. And with him at the helm, like, things could things could start cooking for Richard Watson, especially if they believe that they could get back in the playoffs. You know, it just yeah. depends on where the heart of that locker room is, I think. Yeah, plus, I mean, they're kind of getting hot at the right time, right? Mm-hmm. That could be what it is, which then leads to more fantasy production, potentially. That possibility going way up. So you could be right. The Chiefs, and plus they got a, a matchup against the Chiefs, which could be a blowout. Or not really a blowout, but like a a, a high-scoring affair. Yeah. Or at least I'm more sure. pass attempts. Yeah. More pass attempts would then lead to more points potentially. So I get it, especially against the Chiefs. It's not a bad play. Yeah. Leading us into an actual blowout. Cowboys. Commanders. 45-10. I Cowboys 20. So, what you thinking here? Oof. You know, I'm old. I, I thought it was going to be a closer game. Mm-hmm. I did too. 2017. You know. Um, still. still I, don't, I, I don't think Sam Howell played bad. But the Cowboys offense just played that much better. And overpowered that defense. Do you think the Cowboys are that good, right? Kind of. Kind of. But I mean, the 49ers. But I mean, we, we've seen them be good in the regular season and just collapse in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So, 49ers, no. Eagles? I don't. Eagles? I, I, okay. We'll just set this right now. I think the, I think it goes Eagles, 49ers, Lions, Cowboys. I think, and I think, I think you're right. With, with, with those, Cowboys higher. With those top three being almost interchangeable. Yeah. Right. Because I think each, each of those top three teams have something the other team doesn't. In a way, you know, so it's like, if you wanted to say the Lions were number one in, in Fortnite, however you want to rank it, at, I'm not going to be mad about it because I could see the argument either way. I had three of those teams being number one. I just think the Cowboys had the best defense out of all of them. I think Micah Parsons is really that different, Baker. I do too. I just I just don't trust the Cowboys' offense. That's fair. Well, mainly Dak Prescott. Hey, you know, Dak Prescott, you know, He's been playing like ass for the last three or four weeks, you know. Uh, yeah, last last five games. Uh, 331 yards, 68.8% completion, four touchdowns, zero picks, no sacks. Last week, 65.8% completion on 189 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, no sacks. Week before that, 404 yards, four touchdowns, one pick, no sacks. 74.3% completion rate. Week before that, 374 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, five sacks. Yes, a good Eagles defense. And then week before that, 304 yards, 80.7% completion rate, four touchdowns, one interception, three sacks. I mean, that's that's MVP type numbers for these last five games. Right. Where would you rank them in? Where would you rank him in the MVP consideration? Probably third. Who's one and two then? You know, Patrick Mahomes and CJ Stroud. I don't know. CJ Stroud is starting to lose ground, though, especially with his loss to Jacksonville this week. But we'll get into that game momentarily. Um, Commanders, Cowboys, you know, you feel good if you start any Cowboys players that, uh, you know, had the name Prescott, Tony Bollard, Brady Cook, C.D. Lamb. Uh, on the other side of the ball, you know, Curtis Samuel was a good start, breaking in almost 19 points. If you had the 100-yard bonus in your league, that's 24 Four points. Yeah, I was sad I sat him. Seeing that 24 yeah. points on my bench made me kind of sad. Yep, bro. 100%. Um, Sam Howell was still a solid start. You know, 14 points total. You know, nothing great, but all right. And Brian Robinson, I think, is still a comfortable start at running back position. Just, you know, just a bad week. Um, just, just rough week against a good Dallas Cowboys defense. You know, I think the Cowboys are starting to become a defense that you just don't want to start against unless you are an elite team like yeah. like the Eagles. You know, like the San Francisco 49ers, like the Dolphins. You know, if you're not one of those teams, I wouldn't start anybody against them because you're just not going to get points. That leads me to that final game of that Thanksgiving day. Is it an NFC heavyweight matchup? NFC West on the line. Seahawks win this game. They move up to first place. And they fucking blow it. Bad. In an ugly fashion. Absolutely. 31-13. Absolutely blow it. Yep. 
I mean, I kind of saw. I kind of didn't think they'd win it anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, because I have such a love for for the 49ers at the moment, and really Black Brock Purdy, he he played a decent game. He was not. He was good enough for them to win. Right, he managed the game they- well. He made decent decisions. Twenty-one of thirty, one touchdown, one interception. Sometimes that's all you need, man. You know, when especially when you got CMC running behind you again, six yards to carry, two touchdowns. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like you don't the, need to rely you know, on your. The impressive thing to me about CMC was his longest carry was twenty-seven yards. That dude was actually just toting the rock like six yards a carry. Just legit. They couldn't yeah. stop him. It's not like he had an 80-yard touchdown run that accounted for most of his yards. Nope. He had one chunk he, play of 27 yards. He just grinded him, bro. And of course, his receiving efficiency out of the backfield, too. Five receptions, 25 yards. You know. I mean. Fucking love it. Do you think CMC is the most important player on their offense? Yes. <laughs> yes. By wide market? Look out. Look at okay. Check this out. Panthers were a borderline playoff team last year when they had CMC. Mm-hmm. Look at what they've been since they lost CMC. True, and they were like and also, Chuba Hubbard. Look at how good San Francisco looks with him. He's getting a touchdown every game. Was if we were just to put it in like, baseball term, yeah, you know. um, he made up for it. He got two this week. You know, whatever. The streak's lost, but whatever. Uh, but, you know, like, if CFC goes down like this, San Francisco offense is just a different beast, and it's not a scary one. You can't, you can't pack, you can't pack six in the box when you're fighting against CMC because he'll just stretch you out. Better man has vision, he's agile, he'll go inside and then bust it outside if you cram it. You know, so like he is, I would argue, their most important offensive player, and without them, like you said, they're a different beast, and it's not pretty. So for them to like have that Super Bowl run like we we think they're gonna have, they need CMC to be healthy. They need him. Mm -hmm. Without him, I don't stand I don't think they stand much of a chance. Neither do I. Why did the why did the browsing just stop recording? Just I don't know. Um, just like in baseball terms, win above replacement. I think CFC has the highest win above replacement for any player in the NFL right now at any position. I think so. Like I think I think that's how valuable he is. All right, keep talking. I'm gonna reload the page. All right. So that leads me into our next game. So we're getting into Sunday football. Dolphins visit the New York Jets. And and technical difficulties, huh? <laughs> there it goes. I'm back. Hi. Tim Boyle matching off with Tua Tonga Vailoa. Both of them posed a similar stat line, especially fantasy wise. Um, but the final score was much different because uh one offense is very talented around the quarterback position and the other one is or starting to see do you think Brees Hall is all that? I do. I still have faith in him. Mm-hmm. I just think I just think the Jets are kind of doing him dirty, right? They're not sticking to the run long enough. 
I agree. Eight, eight carries among Brees Hall and Dalvin Cooks is not enough. They should get it be getting at least that. Not all twenty have targets to them, but combined they should be getting at least twenty carries. That's true. If if they are the, the Jets, are, I think are a much better team when they lean more on the run. They don't do that enough. Yeah, and and really every game we've watched this season. So I mean, I still believe in in Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook as running backs. They're both great, both super talented. Potentially the the best running back room in the league, talent wise. They just need to run more. They need to get yeah. on the ball more. Yeah, I think it's ridiculous that they don't. Brees Hall did have fourteen touches this game. For only 49 yards. Right. So, I mean, yeah, he is seven receptions. Yeah. Yes, in the receiving game, right? But this past game, but running wise, they need to. The Jets are a better team when they don't have to solely rely on that quarterback to make plays. I agree. I agree. And that's why Dylan Waddle put on a clinic. Eight he receptions, did. 114 yards, no TDs, but. On eight targets, eight receptions, that looks pretty good. They do be looking pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I'll give them that. They do be looking pretty solid. Tyreek is quietly, for some reason, on pace to just break the single-season receiving yard record, and it seems like no one's talking about it. It's just <laughs> it's just one of those things that's going quietly unnoticed. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, and I kind of love it. Like, what do you think Tyreek needs to do to get in the MVP conversation? Oh, God. I think he should be. Right? Because he's on track to have 2,046 yards, 15 touchdowns this year. Only wide receiver to ever have over 2,000 yards if he does complete it. Yeah. And if he does, why should why wouldn't he be in that conversation at least, at the minimum? Mm-hmm. To me, he should almost win it at that point. Yeah. Like, only only player in NFL history. Only wide receiver. Only player in NFL history to have over 2,000 yards. Only receiver. Do you think he should win it? At that point? Yeah. Honestly. Like, have we seen a wide receiver be this dominant ever? Not really. Not in recent memory. At least, like, you know, okay. well, 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 we what saw Cooper think? Cup. We saw Cooper Cup a few years ago, who was close to breaking yeah, the record. It seemed like he had more MVP relevance than Tyreek does. And then before that, Calvin Johnson and Tony Brown had, Antonio Brown had a moment there. Yeah. Then Larry Fitz had a moment there. Then Calvin Johnson, of course, uh, Brandy Moss, single season record. Terrell Owens. And here's my question. Do we put this Tyreek season above all of the, those seasons? If at well, the end of the season, if he, he breaks the record. Projected. He breaks the record. I don't see how he can. Because the record speaks for itself. Yeah. I would argue. But, but Calvin didn't get the year that he broke the record. No, and... That's just an unfortunate thing with being a wide receiver. You're not going to get that love. Right? Yeah. 
I mean, it's like, it, crazy. It, it's one of those things where, like, it's kind of like college with the Heisman. Usually, most of the time, it's going to go to the quarterback <laughs> and not really any other player. Unless that player yeah. does so far and beyond great that they're almost forced to give it to them. It is this so, so far and beyond great? The first player to ever break 2,000 receiving yards? I would say so, but the voters, I don't think, are going to. Yeah. For the voters. I think, honestly, he needs 2,200 yards. I think that's where what he has to get to get it. Because right now the argument is, well, he has an extra game. He needs to have, like, a couple 200, 300-yard games this season. Like, just obscene stat. Mm-hmm. And I recognize it's not realistic. But neither is a wide receiver getting MVP. So right. the demand I have is probably what they're looking at. You know, if Tyree th- goes out and has a couple 200-yard games, you have to. You have to really consider it. Yeah. But, I mean, like, at the least, he has to be in that consideration or that conversation, like a finalist or something, you know? Yeah. And, like, here's a question. Is Tua a better quarterback than Patrick Mahomes? No. I think Tua has better weapons right now. But Patrick had the same weapons at the same age range. Yeah, I think Tua is still slightly worse than Patrick. I agree. But I just wanted to entertain it. it you could have that conversation of Tua being better. I yeah. just don't think it's... I think you can I, argue I don't think it's realistic yet. Yeah, I if think you could argue it's close. If he wins a chip, that's going to show a lot of people up about him. But I don't think we're there yet. I agree. Um, But yeah, Dolphins, Jets, any last statements on this one? No, I mean, it kind of wasn't how I expected it to go. Yep, I, I think it was 28-13. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be a close game by any means. Uh, Kind of surprised they didn't score more points, honestly. Yep, I mean, obviously, if you started Jalen Waddle or Tyreek Hill, you're happy. If you started anyone on the Jets, you're kind of upset. Kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. So, next game, NFC South matchup for the division crown of the Shit King pile. Oh, we're talking about two shit teams decking it out. To see who could get a fucking top four playoff seed for some reason. <laughs> Just fucking it, because why not? Wild to think about. <laughs> yeah. We got teams like the Vikings that might not get in, while one of these teams are going to have home field advantage. I hate that. <laughs> it's so funny to think about. <laughs> the Seahawks might not get in, but the Falcons going to have home field advantage. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, why though? <laughs> this is how it is, bro. It's how it's God made it. That's so baffling to me. Yeah, uh, this game was baffling to me. Just a game of pathetic offensive performance on both sides of the ball. Uh, Bijan had a good game. Kamara looked like Alvin Kamara, you know, um, mm-hmm. out of Lockstar on both sides. Obviously, duh. Um, yeah. Chris Olave, obviously a lock. Drake London went and had himself a decent game. Kyle Pitts looking like Kyle Pitts, worth about four points. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, 
Desmond Ritter, Derek Carr. You know, Derek Carr is still that super flex start, you know, the bye week start type guy, but mm-hmm. Desmond Ritter, no change in impact on how I view him. Just uh, not a guy I ever want to start. Bijan looked like Bijan. Tyler looked like Tyler. You know, Drake London looked like Drake London. Chris Olave looked like Chris Olave. Alvin Kamara looked like Alvin Kamara. Derek Carr looked like Derek Carr. Uh, there wasn't much to say. Falcons won. They're currently leading the NFC South. Do you have anything so, you want to say on this game? It just it cracks me up that a five and six team is leading the division as, and that a potential team that finishes under five hundred or just at five hundred could make it to the playoffs with home field advantage. Not just make the playoffs, but have home field advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, being the highest that. I mean, kudos to them for being in a weak division. NFC South, so it's like not surprising. It's so crazy, kind of. It it is very crazy because there's they you know the Panthers are out of it. The Falcons, by all means, did not. They are out of it. Let's not be. Let's not kid ourselves. Probably they're not. Panthers win their next six straight, and Falcons and New Orleans just drop. They at, they're in, bro. That Frank Reich firing might might get the fire under their ass. They get to seven wins, all of a sudden, might the Panthers are making a run for the Super Bowl. Bryce Young is the best rookie quarterback of all time. What if that did happen, bro? That that'd be absolutely fucking wild. NFL script writers, if you're listening, <laughs> script that into the story, please. What if they what if they did that and then made it to the Super Bowl? Why'd you try? <laughs> Bro, that there ain't no way though. This Panthers team is so ass. Imagine being the Bears in that situation. Right now you're sitting there rubbing your hands, licking your chomps. You got the number one overall pick, and then the Panthers get you the thirty second overall pick. Bro, I'd be pissed. <laughs> I'd be so mad. <laughs> what the fuck? Cause, cause you know they're planning for that that top two pick right now. Oh yeah, bro. Bears for itself is just high fiving each other. They're like, we got Marvin Harrison, or they should be. <laughs> Bears draft draft Marvin Harrison Jr. Please, it's the right play. Knowing the Bears though, they might not do that. They probably do something dumb. They are. Um, speaking of, you know, talent in Ohio, it wasn't relevant while the Steelers visited the jungle. They got lucky. Bro, shut the fuck up. Why? Because first game without Matt Canada, the Steelers have over 400 yards for the first time in 58 games. Yeah, but they only scored 16 points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The points will come later, but we got the dub. (laughs) I mean, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah. Najee looking like a fucking monster. 15 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown. Did you see him trucking fuckers, man? He looked like a new man out there. Yeah. It's like, it was like Najee just was taking half the season off once backhand got fired. He's like, all right, let's go. Look, strap up. Give me the fucking ball. Iso me. And then, dude, there's a play where he's running down the middle of the field. And he gets choked up at the line. It's about a two, three-yard game. But all of a sudden, the pile just starts moving, dude. And then he just breaks through. It gets, like, another six or seven yards, gets a fucking first down. 
and just having people just yank it on him. These aren't going down. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not I'm going telling you, bro. I'm telling you, bro. It was insane. And what was I saying at the beginning of the season? If the Steelers go ahead and play their offense smart, Pat Fryermuth is going to be a top five tight end. Pat Fryermuth comes out without Matt Candy calling these plays. All of a sudden, nine receptions, 120 yards. Well, holy fuck. What the fuck? Where did this come from, dude? Kenny decided to finally throw him the ball. That's what happened. Nothing to do with back Canada. I hate you so much right now, bro. (laughs) No, because, like, it's literally down to the fundamentals of the scheme calling. Like, they're hitting the middle of the field. They're hitting the deep cross routes and the cover twos. You remember I was talking about that, like, a week or two ago? I was like, they never run in between the cover two. They never run that seam. Pat Fryermuth is hitting that seam. And he has a 120-yard game. You got George Pickens and Deontay Johnson stretch out the outside. You're making it so they have to respect your passing game. And when you do that, you get over 400 yards, which the Steelers fucking did. T.J. Watt goes ahead and claims back the rightful title of sack leader in the NFL, 14 and a half after two sacks this week. Um, you know, Steelers defense looked fucking dominant. Um, Jamar Chase was a saving grace for the Bengals. They probably would have gotten shut out if it wasn't for Jamar Chase having those two receptions off tip passes. He did Jamar Chase things. He did do Jamar Chase things. Jake Four Browning, catches, 81 yards. Not bad. Jake Browning is not a comfortable start for me, personally. I'm not trying to start him. Desperation. Uh, Kenny, Pickett. Kenny Pickett's a good QB2 in Superflex right now. I think he's going to be consistent, 10 to 15 points. Not bad. So, Joe Mixon had a bad game. Not much to talk about there. Uh, yeah. I think Najee is worth a lot right now. I think Jalen Warren is worth a lot. If you can get that handcuff, if you have one piece of the puzzle, try to get the other piece because it's going to be one of those situations where one of them's going to go off every week and then the next week it's going to be the other one and you, you just pick your poison. Um, but it's a good handoff sit- handcuff situation because you know at least one of them's going to get a touchdown. And you know combined they're going to have like 150, 200 yards. If you had to pick one of them, though, who are you picking? Before last week, Jalen Warren. After this week, if Najee plays like this, this is a Najee we trust. This all all season, I came up with this moniker saying, and Najee we trust, and Najee we trust, and Najee we trust, and this is in Najee we trust. This is the type of shit that we're talking about. When he's grinding the fucking ball, punching people in the fucking mouth, you're going to win a lot of football games like that. And that's exactly what Najee did. You know, if Najee plays like this, this is who I want. This is what that third round pick in the fantasy draft is worth. Right. You know, like you get to pick between Najee Harris or Jonathan Taylor in the third round. This is the type of Najee that we're expecting to see when you're taking him there. This is the Najee you want to see, yeah, exactly. This is what you hope to see, but, I mean, it, it took a while to get here, so if you traded him, you hope he keeps doing bad. But if you have him, <laughs> you hope he keeps doing good. <laughs> yes, sir. Basically. So I predicted the Steelers were going to win this game 23-17. I was a little bit off. But we move on to our next game, Panthers, Titans. Panthers remain... uh in the single wing column. 
Mayo man gets another dub for the Titans. Um, Tennessee's pretty much out of the playoff picture, and so is Carolina, just a shit bowl game. Any highlights you want to come off this game? I mean, I think the only highlight really is Derrick Henry. 18 carries, yeah. six yards, and two touchdowns. Yep. And then Chuba Hubbard, I mean, he saved his, his fantasy day with that one touchdown run, and then yep. he also had the five, five receptions for 47 yards, right? So he had himself a, a pretty good day, better than what he's been doing in the past. Anyway. It, it, it was an ugly game to watch. Right. No offenses. Neither one of them looked like they're comfortable or could really get anything going. And then the Titans just somehow got another touchdown because of Derrick Henry, right? So, yeah. It, it was a boring game to watch. There's not a whole lot to really talk about with, with this game besides the two players, Chuba Hubbard and Derrick Henry. Yep. Bryce Young played decent. 18-31, Bill Levy, 18-28, 185. Neither one of them really played bad. But neither one of them really played good either. It, yeah, that's kind of where I was with it. Yeah. The, um, if you watched it, you're like, what the hell's going on? These are two high school teams. It's, yeah, it feels <laughs> kind of thing. It feels like it, it's it, a matchup for the first overall pick. Yeah, it was just a very boring game to watch. But I'm happy the Titans got the dub because I like Will Levis. Yep. You know, so I think that just helps him to continue being the starter going forward, especially going into next year. Do you think he stays a starter next year, or do you think that yeah. Aaron Gold gets someone? No, I think he's a starter. You think he's done enough? Yeah, because, like, they already pretty much moved on from Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. And Will Levis is young enough. He's a rookie, you know, and... You get to ride your rookie contract for two or three years, especially because, like, the expectation isn't for the Titans to go to the playoffs next year. It's just to have a step forward from this. Right. So, okay. And if they get, like, three or four more wins, it's looking They're a playoff good team, possibly. And then also, like, you get that cheap contract with Will Levis. You know, like, Will gets to be cheap, cheap, because you got him later in the draft. Yeah, and I ain't paying for a QB. Yeah. And I'll say to make the yeah, I don't think they make the playoffs, but they, they have an outside shot. Yeah. Not this yeah. year, but next year they could they could shake something up. I wouldn't be surprised because the Bengals are all but done. Chargers might be done. Raiders might be done. Broncos look like Broncos are surging. We'll talk yeah. about them in a little bit. It'll be interesting. These last last games are gonna be interesting, especially for the seventh, eight, nine seed. What's the next game, my guy? We're looking at Bucks Colts. Ooh, Gardner Minshew leads the way. Minshew mania, Minshew mania in full effect. Fuck yeah, we love Minshew mania, and we're we're glad the Bucks lost because I hate Baker. Fuck man, I, yeah, that too, but. Fuck Baker. I hate Baker. I don't know why, you know, but I hate him. The Bucks, the Bucks are so close to being in playoff contention. In that division, yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it's crazy. My judging field advantage, bro. Dude, if you win that division and go 9-8, that's wild to me. Being the they don't even seat. need to go 9-8, bro. 
technically all they need to be is six X. They only need to be six and eleven at this juncture. I'm... Okay, you're not wrong, actually. <laughs> With that weak ass division. So they could they go need just six and eleven. They could just have six wins. Yeah, be, realistically, be the four seed but... and have that home field advantage for that first yeah. game. How wild is that, dude? That's crazy. And I don't, I, I don't think they do it. Baker had himself a decent game: twenty of 30, 199 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Rashad White had a very good game: fifteen carries, hundred yards. And then Mike Evans. So you started him, you're very happy with six receptions, 70 yards, and two touchdowns. That's a game. Do you think he's an every week start? Obviously. Okay. Just making sure. Chris Godwin, three catches, 45 yards. And then Kate Otten, which is starting to come on a little bit more as the weeks have gone on, four catches, 45 yards. So he's been yep. doing pretty good. Uh, let's see. Gardner Minshew, 24 41, no touchdowns, but interception. Had 251 yards. So he didn't do great with two turnovers, only one of them being lost because the fumble was recovered by them. But he did well enough. He managed the game just like you needed him to. You didn't even do anything spectacular because you have Johnson Taylor in that backfield. And you have Zach Moss, which I think is pretty serviceable running back as well. Yeah, 100%. One of the like, better hands. Zach up. Moss proved... Zach Moss proved when JT was down that he's worth value, you know? Yeah, um, and he's keeping it. And he still got two receptions, you know, like, he still had 70 yards on the day. You know, he is worth, he's worth nine points, you know, wide receiver, or flex two, spot type number. Um, and I think he's consistent there. Um, But yeah, you know, Baker proved that, like, I think he's still super flex valuable in Q- two QB leagues. Um, I definitely think that He's so worth a good amount in that. Um, this next game coming up, New York Giants versus your New England Patriots. I don't want to talk about that. Okay, we could skip it if you want. I'm, <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> I get it. Uh, I get it. There's games like that. Bro. First you know, half, they had Mac. scoring game. First half, they had Mac Jones playing like dog. And then the next half, they had Bailey Zapp playing like dog. At this point, they just need to keep losing so they can get that, that number two pick and yeah. draft a quarterback. Anyone. Anyone. I don't really care who, but anyone. I want to see Bailey Zappi just lead one game front to back. That's it. At this point, it's not going to happen. Unfortunately. Because both teams look pathetic. They did. It was bad. It was you know, really bad. Uh, I mean, the Patriots' defense played pretty decent, but again, they weren't really going against anyone. They held Saquon to only 46 yards, which is pretty good, I would say. But Jalen Hyatt had five receptions for 109 yards, so I don't really know. If so, what... I mean, like, there was There's not a game they have on their schedule. They got, they might win a few. They got the Chargers. Might win that. At home. Probably won't. Then they go to Pittsburgh. Gonna lose that. They host the Chiefs. Gonna lose that. 
going to the Broncos. Gonna lose that with the way the Broncos are going playing. Going to the Bills. Gonna maybe win that. The Bills have been playing. And then uh, host the Jets. <laughs> they might win that. There's a solid chance. But Aaron Rodgers also might be back by then, so I don't really know. So, like, how many wins are you giving them throughout the run of the season, bro? One. <laughs> One. One win. Um, I guess it's my time to be a salty, sad fan. I think it's just my time. I understand. As a Steelers fan, I understand. <laughs> I appreciate you for understanding. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I was used to... I was used to 20 years of winning, and now I yeah. get losses, and it just makes me sad. And I understand other fans now. Yeah, because the last time the Steelers had a losing season. Yeah. I get it. Um, there's really no one of note on fantasy-wise. <laughs> I mean, the two best players on the field were Ramadre Stevenson for the Patriots, 21 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown. Army DeVito. And then Jalen Hyatt, five catches, 109 yard, 109 yards. Why Tommy DeVito? Tommy DeVito's coming into his own as a valuable QB, too. Maybe. Maybe. Bro, he's looking pretty good. Over the, I mean, past, last week. Past three games. Two games, really. Yeah. Has, yeah. Last so three he, games, even. So are you comfortably starting him in Superflex? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Where would, would you, over him? would you, where would you rank him? About 20th. 20th. I mean, yeah, that's serviceable, especially in super flex leagues. If you got 10 people. Yeah. If you got 12 people, that's good. Yeah. Okay. I retract my, my angst. I support this conclusion. <laughs> I, support, <laughs> I, I support this conclusion now because I, I could see 20th, right? Because they have a fairly, they don't really have tough a bunch of tough teams ahead of them. Yeah, on the schedule, um, I'm actually about to pull the Giants' schedule up real quick. Yeah, so they got. What happens if Tommy DeVito just balls out though? Do you just ride Tommy DeVito as the hot hand and uh, not draft a QB if you're the Giants? I don't think the Giants are drafting one either way. I, I think. Yeah. I mean, how can you with how much money you're paying Daniel Jones? How do you justify yeah. that? Probably right? trade Daniel Jones. You could trade him, or you could just have a baller of a backup in Tommy DeVito. Or you have a very, very expensive backup in Daniel Jones. That might be the play. <laughs> I mean, if if he wins out, because he's going against the Packers, the Saints, the Eagles, the Rams, and then the Eagles again. Mm-hmm. So if he won out, they'd be 10-8. and eight. No, yeah. nine and eight. Yeah, nine and eight. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I don't know how you you don't at least give him the shot at competing in the, in training camp. Yeah, but I I still think it'd be Daniel Jones just because the Giants organization feels like they have to start him with how much money they're paying Daniel Jones. Yeah, which is an absurd amount of money for him. That had one. It was an idiot decision. Yeah, and he had one good year. I don't even know if I would say good, right? But he had 
a solid year for a quarterback and then got the bag. But that's also the market that we are in for quarterbacks in the league right now. Yeah. Because teams would rather pay that forty plus million dollars than try and just draft a new one or sign a new one and risk it. There's no reason to. Yeah, and now but now that they they fucked around and found out with Daniel Jones this year. He's got that contract itis. Would you rather have Daniel Jones or Deshaun Watson? Daniel Jones. It Daniel Jones. I don't it's not close for me. Same. I'd rather have Daniel Jones, too. At least he's a character guy, too. You know. Yeah. And then, you know, co- from a contract perspective, at, at least Daniel Jones' contract isn't fully guaranteed. Either. 100%. Like Deshaun is. You know? So, I don't know. I, so. That's a tough one. And, this honestly. Was... Hmm. I hope what? the Patriots keep losing. That's all. Me, too. I was, I, uh, I don't want to see him with the high traffic. I, I want to see him have that. I, I want to see him pushing that number one draft pick. It'd be right? cool. Because I would cool to see the Patriots this bad. It's not cool, okay? It's not cool for me. It's very sad and breaks my heart. <laughs> okay? So I hate you for saying that. But anyways. I, hey, bro. As a Steelers fan, I really understand having those losing seasons. Yeah, okay. Shut up. Anyways, they've had two in my lifetime. Okay, so let me ask you this. If the Patriots get that top whatever pick, right? So it looks like they're going to have a top three pick right now. What quarterback do you think they should draft? Because I think it's obvious they need a quarterback. Yeah. More than anything at the moment. You know, with them drafting so high, maybe not even take a quarterback because you got J.J., in the second round, that should be available. I think he's a first-round talent QB in most drafts. And if you can get a guy like Marvin Harrison, I'm still high, high on Kool-Aid McKinstry. Mm-hmm. I like Kool-Aid McKinstry a lot. And getting that lockdown duo at quarterback, mm-hmm. <laughs> that'd be kind of nutty. Uh, and that that also give you trade-back potential because you'd probably get Kool-Aid around 11 or 12. You know? That's true. It's almost like, I feel like the Patriots aren't going to draft a quarterback immediately, especially with certain talent that might be available on the board, especially if you can get a guy like Joe Holt uh, from Notre Dame, and you might be able to trade back and get additional value for it. And God forbid they trade back and they're able to get a guy like Bo Nix. Because right now they're projected at number three, three pick. Yeah, they trade that number three back, and then they get a guy like Bo Nix that's Really good in a system that's similar to how New England runs their offense, actually. I, I wouldn't it's be surprised if they trade in multiple systems. Yeah, it makes sense. I wouldn't be surprised if they yeah trade back to like the middle of the, the first, something where they love to draft, it seems like. And then get extra picks, either you know like in the second round or picks next year as well. And then push that kid yeah. down the road for the quarterback spot. Yeah, because, you know, like, you still have a cheap enough contract with Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp, and it's not like you. Like, you got Matthew Judon. Sure, you're probably not going to keep him for much longer, but, like, a guy like Christian Gonzalez, he's coming off his first season. You know, some of your anchor pieces are younger guys, and go ahead and take advantage of those time, that time to rebuild and build That'd, it efficiently. It'd be nice. I, I think 
if they did, it'd probably be what what I would love for them to do is draft Marvin Harrison and then draft a quarterback in the second round. That'd be yeah, like JJ. Not even necessarily JJ, but just I could. Do you think Pat could be there in the second round? I think he could be. I think there's a chance. I think if you had to be. pick a quarterback for the Patriots, who do you take? I really love Bo Nix. I love Bo Nix too. I really love Bo Nix. I, I part of me for cousins. Part of part of me wants Bo Nix at that spot, but also if they can get Kirk Cousins, swipe him in free agency. I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't hate that. On like a two year deal, but also at the same time, the Patriots might not want to pay Kirk Cousins that thirty million. 30 to 35 million contract that he wants. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't think it's likely, but I would love to see Kirk Cousins on the Patriots. I think it's at this point, potentially more likely he just stays with the Vikings. And then the Patriots are going to be forced to pivot through the draft, draft Marvin Harrison, and then kick the can down the road to the second round. That's what I would love. You think Marvin Harrison will be there at three? I hope to God he is. But he shouldn't be. Yeah. He shouldn't. The, the, as it stands right now, the Cardinals or the Bears should take him at one and two, respectively. But I don't think they're going to. I also think it's Can possible. the Cards take? I think the Cardinals could. I wouldn't be surprised if they take Latou from UCLA, defensive end. Okay. I think he's a really nice player. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, they take someone like Brian Thomas from LSU as a wide receiver yep. at that spot because they also need wide receivers. But not Marvin Harrison? No, because I'm assuming he's not there and that the Bears right. take him. That That's what I'm yep. going off of right now. Because right? they shouldn't take someone like Caleb Williams or Drake May at number one. I'm assuming the Bears take Marvin Harrison because that's what they should do. Yeah. Um, but if the Bears, for whatever reason, trade back or don't trade for him, or I mean not trade for him, but draft him, then the Cardinals should take Marvin Harrison. And the Cardinals, though, and the Patriots should. But Marvin Harrison should not be there at three. Which if Marvin Harrison falls to three, do you think the Patriots take him? Yes or no? Yes. You think but- they take Yes, but it's also possible the Patriots end up with the number one pick. Depending, you think they trade up? No, I think it's possible the Panthers win two games and the Patriots lose out, which would then put them at number one. That's that's possible. I mean, one, two, and three, really even four and five are kind of up in the air. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think that top five is kind of locked in. Really, the top three is kind of locked in at the moment. Who a team that we were thinking about was going to be in that top five pick discussion just five weeks ago. They got scored on 70-20 to 20 by the Dolphins. And then all of a sudden, they figure out a way to let's ride. They'll go ahead and take care of business at home in Mile High. It was all because the Cleveland Browns. It was all because of that. I think it was the offensive tackle video they showed me where he just says, I'm just tired of losing. 
I'm just yeah. tired of losing. Yeah, bro. It was him. Yeah, turned, I he, said at he, that point. He turned the team around. Confirmed. Yeah. Like, I was saying it back then, you know. When, when a team is like this, they go down two paths. They either turn it around and they go on a hot streak that you cannot stop. Mm-hmm. Or they go to the ditches and they just let themselves die. The Broncos took the high road, mile high road, <laughs> should I say? Very fitting and for the name of this. Russell Wilson, you know, he put on a good show, but mm-hmm. really, this was just a balanced offensive performance, just taking care of business. And really, this was a defensive win. You know, this is the type of win where, like, you look back at it and you're like, this is where we find out that the Broncos' defense is real. Mm-hmm. How much of an effect do you think Dorian Thompson Robinson being out had on the Browns? Significant-ish. Do you think they would have won with him? No. no. I think they would have got a little bit closer. Maybe 21. Okay. But, but not, not like... I, I don't think they get the win. They might have brought the score down to three points even because of how they were able to hold the possession. But, mm-hmm. you know, like P.J. Walker getting sacked four times did no one any favors. You know, Jerome Ford had the average of 7.2 yards per carry, and he was grinding, but they just didn't give him the ball enough. And, you know, they got behind early. The Broncos took advantage of position on the field, and, you know, they they won because of it. You know, getting getting three fumble recoveries, you're going to win a game when you have a turnover march of 3-1. to one. You're going to win a lot of games like that. Yeah, especially in a lot. fashion where, you know, the Broncos defense was able to lock down I think Broncos defense got him this win, and that was why it was such a marginal victory. You know? Um, yeah, because Russell Wilson did enough. Okay. Right. Uh, the running attack in total had 40 carries for 169 yards and two touchdowns. So they run, ran the ball fairly effectively because they had 4.3 yards per carry. And then receiving the ball, I mean, really nothing, right? Because if you started Russell Wilson yeah. or the receiving any of the receivers from the the Broncos, you're not entirely happy, but it was a good victory for the Broncos overall, DM wise. So they managed the ball well on on offense, and then they also got stops and played well on defense. So over, it was a good overall team win for them. I concur. I Please. think it really does come down to you know like there's a couple stats that are going to get overlooked on this game. Mm-hmm. You know, Javante Williams, he had six targets. One of them was a bomb. You know, I think Javante Williams is a sleeper pick going into these next couple weeks. Oh, okay. Just like, I wouldn't be surprised to see top RB5 numbers from Javante Williams like because the, of his receiving production. Like the rest of the season? Yeah. Okay. How confident are you in that? 60%. So you'd be pretty much comfortable starting in the rest of the year? Yeah. Kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. I dig it. I mean, I had a guy that might be available on some waivers, too. Yeah, or you might be able to get him for the for the low before he starts yeah, exploding at the end of the year. He's only, he's only rostered by 88.5% of teams, according to ESPN. Um, and he's ranked 31st position-wise, coming off a mediocre game. Mm-hmm. I think I think this is the time to buy in on Javante Williams, and I think that we're going to see him finally explode, especially in Dynasty. Right. So pick him up if you can. And if your trade deadline hasn't passed, try and trade for him. Because this might be the cheapest you can get him. Because if he does explode, 
the rest of the year. His price is just going to soar. Back. His price is just going to soar in the offseason. And it's going to be incredibly hard to actually trade for him. You're going to have to go way too much. Yep. What, if, what about Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt? How comfortable are you starting them? I should be a lot more comfortable, but they're just not getting the touches. Right. Yeah, I mean, nine and seven, it's not a lot. Yeah, you know, four receptions from Jerome Ford kind of saving his day, you know, making it so on, and just abysmal. On seven targets, too, as well. Yeah, you know, um, I start Jerome Ford, uh, Kareem Hunt as an extreme flex. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where I'm at. Look, a little, little desperation play. Yeah. Basically. I can jab with that. What about PJ Walker? If he's the quarterback going forward, would you be willing to super flex now? Staying away. Walk away. Yeah. Droppable or rosterable? Yeah. Droppable. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Until I actually see something from either one of the quarterbacks, I'm not really rostering them. I'm just going to do Well, you know, they got a good Rams defense coming up. They got a good Jags defense coming up. Mm -hmm. They got a Bears defense that they should be able to crush, but also, like, I would be surprised if that's the type of game that they just run the ball a ton. You know, Texans, they're probably going to get crushed. You know, Jets, they're probably going to get crushed realistically, especially if Aaron Rodgers is back. And then Bengals, you know, like, I, the Bengals have a sneaky good defensive line, and I don't trust P.J. Walker against it. Yeah, and, and this could be the, the Browns' downfall of the yeah. season. You know, we could see him lose, realistically lose out and finish 7-10. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah. But now, will it happen? Probably not. Probably going to be a nine-win team. Yeah, so I, I could see him getting a couple more, two or three more wins, going about 500 the rest of the season. Yep, that's where I go to. But that might be good enough for a playoff burst. It might be. Matthew Stafford, you know, so two TDs on the day. You know, I, um, I wish I started Matthew Stafford this year, this week, but I didn't. I rode with yeah. Sam Howell over him. How do you feel about this development of Kyron Williams and Royce Freeman in the backfield for the Rams? I love it. I think it's what the Rams need. It's one of the biggest things they're ni- missing was a run game, and they seem yeah. to have found it. I, I just hope they continue giving both of them some work because they're. I think they both deserve it. All right, Kyron Williams, 16 carries, 143 yards. Royce Freeman, 13 carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. Why not rely on them? Why not give them 30 carries combined a game? You know, or at least, you know, at least 20 combined. Because then that takes a lot of pressure off Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford was efficient. It, set, it sets up Matthew Stafford for play action. And when, right. you got a, when you got a, you know, a sheriff type quarterback, play action is their best friend. Yeah. And don't forget, Kyrie Williams had six catches for 61 yards and two touchdowns. So if you started him this week, you're fucking ecstatic. You're really, really happy about that. Yeah, 36 points. And Stafford plays, I think, the best when he has... At 100-point bonus. I think Stafford plays the best when he has a good run game behind him where it takes off some of the pressure. He's not forced to throw 45 times a game where he can throw just 30 times and then run the ball also 30 times. Right? I, I think that makes a massive difference for quarterbacks, and we don't see... Teams always stick to the run like they should. 
you know, a lot of teams yep. just abandon the run super quick and super early, and it just throws off, throws them off. So you 100%. hate to see it. Are you worried about Kyler Murray, or is he someone you'd be okay starting? Super flex only. But I don't know if the problem is Kyler. You know, like, do you think it's weapon wise? Well, yeah. Who's he passing to, man? The offensive line's pretty mediocre. I mean, Marquise Brown and Trey McBride is his two best weapons. Like, we're so high on Joshua Dobbs. Remember, Joshua Dobbs only claimed one win with the Cardinals. Right. You know, like, Joshua Dobbs, we were clamoring about how good he was playing, but they, they he, still only got one win. It feels like the expectation for Kyler is different than it is for Joshua Dobbs. It's like, Kyler, if he's not winning games, it's not good enough. But Joshua Dobbs, he got a pass because, you know, he's coming off the bench and he's just there's nobody that is finally getting his graces in the league well you know i mean why did Kyler get the same respect contract sure i think that's what it comes out to purely it is just because of the money aspect that's fair and, and it, it's not really fair to have that expectation but i mean it, it comes with it right because we saw that also with justin herbert before the season where a lot of people were, were saying for that contract to be worth it he has to get to the, the chip. He has to get to the Super Bowl or at least make the playoffs. And as looks like they're not even going to do that. So I, I think it really does just does come down to the contract. And Kyler's getting paid a lot more than Joshua Dobbs is. You know, and you could argue whether it's fair or not. And some may say it is, some may say it's not. But I think that's just the reality, reality of the situation. I agree. You know. So, talking about highly paid quarterbacks, we go and visit Kansas City Raiders. Kansas City goes ahead and sticks it to the Raiders. I had the Raiders winning this. I thought I thought that, you know, Raiders might be able to take advantage of the Chiefs' cold streak, shake things up a little bit. I was hoping in my heart of hearts that was true. Patrick Mahomes proved me wrong for betting against him once again. Um... And McConnell had himself a decent day. Josh Jacobs had himself a really good day. You know, we're starting to see that Josh Jacobs season that I was talking about last week. Yeah. Um, 21 points on the ground. Uh, if you get a 100-point bonus, 26 points uh, total. So, you know, we're looking at a pretty good performance. Travis Kelsey looked like Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice was your pick for the week uh, as the Chiefs wide receiver. Uh, that's, <laughs> what, third week in a row that he's been Extremely productive. Uh, yep. In his last five weeks, um, he had one eh game against the Dolphins, two for two, uh, 17 yards. Uh, against the Eagles, he was four out of five, 42 yards. But against Denver, four, four to five, 56 yards. Chargers, five for six, 60 yards and a touchdown. You know, th this was his best game for sure, but. I think we're seeing an indication that Rasheed Rice is a safe start at, at least flies. So you, you'd be pretty comfortable putting him in that spot. No complaints. We're seeing a baseband of 10 points, realistically, other than that one week against. Well, even against the Dolphins, he had a touchdown. So, you know, two catches, 10, 17 yards, that's three, that's nine points. Yeah. If your baseband is nine points over five weeks, then yeah, you definitely need to be putting him in your flex. That's not bad. So do you think this is, like, things to come for Josh Jacobs? Do you think yeah. he's only going to get better or stay consistent at this level? 
I, I think he's going to be consistent or better. Okay. I'm about so, 80% sure of it. So like 20 points plus kind of thing? Mm-hmm. I want to argue about that. Now, do you think... What do you think about Aiden O'Connell? Because he had himself a pretty good game. They just couldn't really get anything sustained on offense, it seemed like. I think he's a good start if you have to. You know, on a bye week, especially with Lamar Jackson being out this week mm-hmm. uh, because of his bye, you know... um. If you got Joe Burrow as your quarterback, you know, if you can pick up Andrew O'Connell at this juncture off waiver, I'd definitely do that to cover for injuries and everything. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Um, I think I think he could cover up, uh, and I think that he can put up top 12 QB numbers um, at his best. I think he'd be QB 10. As worse, I think he's QB 19. So, like, okay. even worst-case scenario, he's still solid. Yeah, because he had a solid day. He was efficient. He had 250 yards and a touchdown, no turnovers. You know, that's that's about what you can ask for from him. They just couldn't score points. You know. And then Patrick Mahomes, like you said, did Patrick Mahomes stains. He did well. 298 yards, two touchdowns, no turnovers. Isaiah Pacheco, 15 carries, 55 yards, two touchdowns, nothing great, nothing fantastic. But he had himself a good fancy day. Do you think he's worth starting most weeks? Yeah. I think Pacheco's been alive since week eight. Okay. Week eight. Where would you rank him? Right now? Yeah. Or at least the rest of the season. Eight. Rest of the season. For the rest of the season, I'd say RB7. Ooh, spicy. He's the only back that's going to be getting a full workload, other than a guy like Josh Jacobs or Derek Henry. And Derrick Henry might not even be getting a full workload. You know, name another back in the NFL that's getting a full workload like Pacheco is. CMC. Okay, another one. DeAndre Swift. Okay, name another one. One could argue David Montgomery. You could argue. And Maybe name another. Possibly Ramadre Stevenson. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty good company to be a part of, huh? Mediocre at best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, um, but I I want to ask you about this because it, it's been pretty pretty crazy to me with all the hype around Ceh when he came out because he went to the Chiefs and it's just been a straight downfall. Do you think they'll release him or do you think they're gonna keep hold on to him? How do you see his future? I don't know, man. It's tough. Like, he's talented enough where you want to keep him. Right. He shows glimpses. Most players do. He's a good enough guy to keep on your roster, and he's cheap. Yeah, especially after the, when his contract's up, I believe next year. Yeah, like, I think he'll end up going to a team on a one-year deal. I don't think he stays with the Chiefs, but I think he goes to a team that might be like a Panthers type team that might need a running back. Maybe the Cardinals need one at that time. And I don't think he might have a resurgence for a year or two, but I don't think he ends up staying on the Chiefs now. So you don't think Miles Sanders is a, is the answer for the Panthers? In two years, probably not. Fair. You know, like, that's kind of where I'm at with. I don't think, I don't think Miles Sanders was the answer regardless. Yeah. I don't think they, they should have ever signed him. I don't think so either, but, like, for sure not in two years. Right. Guaranteed. 
Yeah. So be, because like, I don't know. What do you do with this Chiefs receiving room though? Are you kind of just betting on Travis Kelsey and Rasheed Rice? Yeah, that's essentially. It. And then end the story and the conversation after that. Yeah, I don't think there's much to talk about after that. Like Sky Moore, I've been trying to rally behind, but he's just not putting up the numbers that I'm hoping he would. Yeah, he's kind of burning you. <laughs> yeah, so I remember, I believe you were very high on him before the season started. And then he kind of had That's to go, great. it's kind of like Gabe Davis, right? A lot of people love Gabe Davis and was convinced he was going to explode this year. But he hasn't done yeah. that either. So it's kind of a similar situation. What about the Vegas? Speaking of Gabe Davis. What about Vegas, though? And what, their Vegas? Room. Yeah, in their receiving room. I'm not a fan of it. I mean, Jacoby Myers is their best talent. You know, Devontae Adams, I feel like, isn't Devontae Adams' form anymore. Or at least while he's got black and black and uh, silver on. Like, I don't feel like he's the same Devontae Adams as we've seen. So do you think he needs to leave? Right? I think a change of scenery would be best for Adams. Because Jacoby Myers has been looking better than Devontae Adams has. True. Where would you think he'd go then? Or where do you think he should? The Jets. The Patriots. <laughs> the Patriots. Who has Aaron Rodgers? Not the Jets. Okay, maybe the Jets. I hate to tell you, buddy. <laughs> I hate to tell you, maybe, buddy. Maybe the Jets. It, I mean, it was rumored that Aaron Rodgers was trying to give him to go after Devontae, but it seems they couldn't swing it. Well, yeah. I'm not surprised. His though. contract's going to an end, though. Um, and Rodgers got one year left on his deal, so I wouldn't be surprised if Rodgers tried to make that push. And having Devonta Adams and Garrett Wilson opposite of each other, I think it would be scary for that team. And then have Brees Hall and Devin Cook running the rock. Yeah, I mean, I already loved their team with Aaron Rodgers at the helm before the season started because I thought they had a lot of potential. I mean, they have a potential out at 2025 with Devontae Adams. Right. So it's like, you know, they could pitch out his contract and the Jets get the potential out on the contract. Yeah, so maybe that's something we see develop in the offseason. Yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised. I would love that to happen because I love the, I don't love the Jets, but I love their team and what they get cooking over there. Speaking of Gabe Davis, you mentioned him earlier. Philadelphia Eagles host the Buffalo Bills. Go to ten and one in a close matchup, thirty-seven thirty-four. He hits the coin toss, proving yes, proving he has that clutch gene. Josh Allen, I mean, hates the coin toss. He's like zero seven in his career in overtime. Mm-hmm. So, do you still hold firm that he? I think. He, can't remember what you called him at the beginning of the season, but that he'd be like a bottom 10 or outside the top 10 quarterback-wise? Yeah. Do you still hold firm on that? I hold true on that. Yeah. Like, I don't care fantasy-wise. The dude has 3,200 yards, 24 touchdowns, 13 picks. Mm-hmm. He has a good QBR, but like 6-6 six six is the Bills' record, and a big reason is because of him. You know, he's projected at this point in the season to have over – 4,500 yards, 34 touchdowns, 18 picks. But that 18 picks is what's haunting him. You know? Yeah, like, that's a lot. That is a lot. And, you know, like, a completion percentage of 68.1, you know, we're talking about Josh Allen being this elite quarterback. This is an elite production. 
especially with the interception rate. No, not at all. You're expecting, you know, closer to like seven to eight interceptions on the season. You know, Josh Allen has cost, I think single-handedly has cost the Bills a few games this season. Oh, like, for sure. Bills shouldn't have lost to the Patriots. I think that was a big reason because of Josh Allen. You know, he didn't really have that great of a game. He had 265 yards, two touchdowns, and interception. But it was a critical interception. You know, mm-hmm. like... Jen, I mean, in, in, those, in the games that they've lost, and especially when he's done bad, is you get pressure on Allen, and he makes mistakes. It seems like he can't handle that pressure. At the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. you know, exactly. Like, the Broncos got his face. The Bengals, like, took care of business. They they shut him down pretty well. You know, like... Yes, I mean, he's I don't think time and time again... All that. I think he's... Yeah. And Stefan Diggs is... I think Stefan Diggs is way better than people realize how he, how good he is. Like, Stephon, Stephon Diggs, and I've been saying this for a while, is when he leaves, Josh Allen is going to be even worse. I yeah. think he made that team, and he made Josh Allen. Because yeah, yep. without him, I, I don't think we see or talk about Josh Allen that the way people have talked about him. Not at all. No. And what happens if Stephon Diggs goes to the Cowboys? That'd be a crazy team. For him opposite CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks? Oh, my God. I think that'd be nutty. And that'd I think, be nutty. <laughs> and I think the Cowboys possibly become Super Bowl contenders. Or at least the favorite, one of the favorites at that point. And then the Bills are going to be a bottom 10 team in the league. Yeah. I think Stefan Diggs makes that offense. No, he does. 100%. How do you feel about James Cook? 16 carries, 43 yards. He had a rough game, but, you know, he had six receptions, so he's able to call back a bit. You know, he had 100 yards for scrimmage, so if you have that bonus, that's the extra five points. No TDs, but, you know, if if you had that bonus, you know, he's worth 21 points. Not a good game. I mean, you're, you're happy with that. So just... <laughs> if, you, if you started him, you're happy. If you started Gabe Davis on his what seemed to be lone good game. Game of the season. Yes. Yeah. Six, six receptions, 105 yards, and, and a touchdown. But he had 12 targets. So it's like 50% catch rate on the face of it. So it really makes you wonder how – was the accuracy of those throws, you know, how many of them were catchable? Maybe only a couple more. Two, two, I would say were catchable, maybe three, but the rest of them, I would say were unrealistically catchable. Yeah. So what I've seen. Yeah. And I watched a little bit of the game, mainly the overtime, but I would kind of come to the same conclusion. Yeah. And, I think really on this offense, the only week person you could really start every week comfortably is Stefan Diggs. And then you could argue Josh Allen. Probably Josh Allen. I would start him anyways because he had four touchdowns. He gets those touchdowns. And he gets, has that rushing upside, which you can't really argue with fantasy for fantasy purposes. Having that quarterback that can throw gets you that 300-yard bonus plus you know a couple touchdowns. And then someone can carry the ball for you know 50 yards and maybe a touchdown. That's killer, especially when we're creeping into playoff times for fantasy, fantasy leagues. Yeah, that shit is huge. Right, so uh, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, really the only two people I'm targeting every week. 
And then from the Eagles side of the ball, Jalen Hurts had himself a pretty good game. 200 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Not great, but he played good. He played well. He didn't turn the ball over too much. DeAndre Swift, another good game, 14 carries, 80 yards, no touchdowns, but he's the focal point in their rushing attack. They're going to feed him the rock. He's doing this year what he people thought he would do with the Lions. They couldn't just get it together. Yeah. You know. But now he is. Now he is indeed. <laughs> and with with the I'm, Philadelphia Bulldogs. I'm kind of sad because I had the chance to trade for him, but I didn't think he'd do quite this well, so I'm kind of kicking myself for that. But as such as fantasy yeah. football. Devontae Smith, though, I was so happy I started him because I was looking at it, and he had like six catches, 98 yards, and I was like, please, God, get over the 100-yard bonus. And he did with the touchdown catch. He did. My, my prayers were answered. I was so happy. <laughs> but then A.J. Brown, you thought he would do well, but he five catches, 37 yards, and a touchdown. But it, that was just the way the game was flowing. You know, they didn't really throw a ton, or at least what we used to seeing them throw. Nor was Jalen Hurts yes. as efficient as – we have seen in the past right so that's just kind of a byproduct of the game definitely a one-off definitely someone you want to start every week obviously you know and if you choose between Devontae Smith and AJ Brown it's clearly AJ Brown I think with an argument to be made for Devontae Smith to be in like the flex spot most weeks I, I agree completely most weeks you get 10 points. there's a flex start yeah most Guaranteed. weeks you get 10 points out of him I think it's kind of his basement and then his his ceiling this year has kind of been what he did this this week, you know, getting that twenty five points. What? Yeah, I was about to say twenty five, twenty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're happy with that? I'm yeah. happy with that. One hundred percent. That that's someone you want every week. Fifteen points on average, realistically, is what I see from AJ Brown moving forward. Yeah, and that's not going to be hard because they have a they don't really have a tough schedule. Right, but they have yeah. the 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants again. Right. So 49ers and Cowboys look like they might be shootouts, which then equals fantasy points. So you're gonna be starting like Jalen Hurts, DeAndre Swift, AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. Everybody. Bring the cavalry. Yeah, anyone you can get the hands on for both sides of the ball for both those games. I think you start it I think they're gonna be good games and they're gonna be high scoring. Forty Niners game might I mean, we'll talk about that more tomorrow, but I think that might kind of determine number one seed. At least, yeah. the, not really off the hand, but it'll give the 49ers a fighting shot at the one number one seed, at the very least. I think. And what's the name? Ravens, Chargers. All right, let's get into our next game. Oh, I'm so excited for this one because I hate the Chargers. This is a good one. I'm so excited. <laughs> I hate the Chargers, and let me tell you, I was so excited when they lost. Because, I mean, it's not that I really like the, the Ravens that much more. I just like seeing the Chargers fail because of that Patriots-Chargers rivalry, especially from years ago when they had Phillip Rivers and LaDainian Thomason, and they met for like three years in the AFC Championship game, even the divisional round, and the Patriots won every time. And that just brings back joy. Every time the Chargers lose, it brings them back to those moments where the Patriots won in the playoffs. Now, let's get into a little bit of little, little stats here. It wasn't really a super stat-heavy game. The Ravens won 20-10. to 10. The Ravens looked like they were in full control. 
the whole time. Lamar Jackson, 18 of 32, 177 yards and a touchdown. So it wasn't super efficient through the air, but he did enough through the air to give him the win. But then he also had 11 carries for 39 yards. Still one touchdown on day, but if you started him, you're pretty happy because he got you about 15 points. And then rushing the ball as a team, the Ravens did well because they had 35 carries for 197 yards, but individually, no one really stands out to you. Zay Flowers had that one carry for 37 yards and a touchdown, so... If you started him, combine that with his receiving work. When he had five catches for 25 yards in that touchdown, he did, had a pretty good fancy day. But other than that, no no Baltimore rusher had really a, a standout day. No. And that was to be expected Mitchell, because... He had Mitchell's good. average was insane. Yeah, 7.1 yards. So I, I thought they would give him more carries. I was hoping that he would. But as, as a whole, I mean, the Baltimore... Rushing attack was just pretty dominant, right? Averaging 5.6 yards carry as a whole. And the Chargers didn't really look like them know what to do with that. You know, and then from the, from the Chargers side of the ball, Justin Herbert had 29-44, 217 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Not good, not great. You know, he didn't, I would say, just about. They didn't run the ball enough. No, it, but and, this circles this circles back to what I've been saying about this Ravens defense this whole season. Roquan Smith, Patrick Queen, mm-hmm. makes it so you can't run the fucking ball and gets you one-dimensional very quickly. And what happens when you get a team one-dimensional? You get seven pass deflections, nine QB hits, three sacks, mm-hmm. five tackles for a loss, and one pick. Like, that's how you do that. You had that scary middle linebacker core. You shut teams out like they did against the Chargers. Yep, and and in that game, you saw Justin Herbert having to roll out a lot and then underthrowing the ball quite a bit or overthrowing the ball. And when he stayed in the pocket, the Ravens' defensive line would get their hand up and affect the pass, right? Thus causing him to underthrow the ball, and he did that quite a bit. We saw it a lot. So... Credit to the Ravens defense because they played outstanding and held a, I would say, talented Chargers offense in check. Because they got a good quarterback, they got good receivers, and they got good running running backs. They just couldn't get anything going. They could not really hold the ball. They could get no traction. And that's been the story of the Chargers season. And that's why they're 4-7 and seven at the moment. That's why the Ravens are 9-3 and three, because it goes back to what you said their defense, and more specifically, those linebackers. Yeah, I mean, I think you said the best just at the top of the section. The Ravens were in control the whole game, and that was it. They scored first, and they kept the Chargers on their heels. They kept the Chargers off the field. You know, they, they they kept that offense off. They forced Justin Herbert to make bad throws and bad reads, and it really screwed them in the end. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what to do. I mean, the only one that you're happy about starting is Keenan Allen, but he did Keenan Allen things with 14 receptions and 106 yards on 16 targets. You know, Gerald Everett did okay. He saved his fantasy day with that touchdown. You know, he had four receptions, 43 yards on four targets in the touchdown. So he got you 
10.3 points almost. I think if they rush the ball a little bit more and stuck to the run game more, it might be a little bit closer, but I think ultimately the Ravens still would have won the game. percent I don't think that they, I think the Ravens were like kind of just controlling the tempo. They didn't, they could have scored more. They were. They did very well at controlling the tempo, and that's that's all they needed to do, right? They played a very Ravens esque game. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't make right. a lot of turnovers. They didn't force a lot of turnovers, but they also didn't commit a lot of turnovers. Yeah, but they and then they also controlled the middle of the field. Kind of go back to what you were saying. And that's been the story of the Ravens, and I think it could carry them to the title game. I don't know if they'll win it, but I think. Their defense will be the reason why they make it that far, especially as we see them go against these tougher teams come playoff time. Speaking of potential playoff teams, the Vikings, we were getting red hot on. Joshua Dobbs playing out of his mind, playing out of this world, should I say. And out of nowhere, God has has an explorer-like event, one touchdown, four interceptions, Cost the Vikings the game. They didn't run the ball a lot. Justin Fields had a pretty average day. You know, he went for almost 300 yards for scrimmage. No mm-hmm. touchdowns, no picks. He did have two fumbles lost, you know, so he had a Justin Fields-like day. DJ Moore had a pretty solid day. 11 receptions, 114 yards, you know, 100-yard bonus. That's an extra five points, mm-hmm. 10 21, 26 points from DJ Moore. It seems like he keeps on getting those big scoring games without those TD receptions. TJ Hawkins had proven that he's still a top three tight end for fantasy. Uh, this was just an ugly game front to back. You know, um, it didn't feel like there was very much. It felt like neither team wanted to win, if you want to be honest, uh, when I was watching it. It just felt like both teams wanted to lose, and the team that wanted to lose harder lost. <laughs> but, I mean, that's also what happens when you – Turned the ball over, well, like six times. Total, yeah. You know, it's like you can't win a game like that, and you're not going to. Nope. Thankfully, this this should have been a bigger blowout than it was. This should have been, you know, like a 21-point win, at least for the Bears. Because the Bears are just that bad. Yeah, they, they could not get anything going. They got those short chunk plays, but then the, the Vikings forced the last three and outs even with the six turnovers. You know, so it's, I don't know, man. This Bears team baffles me because they should be better than they are, especially with six turnovers forced in a game. I mean, if you start the Bears defense, you're fucking happy as shit. Yeah. You're you're happy as hell because that's a lot of points right there for defense. You know, that's a 30-plus point game for the defense. But, I mean, the, the Bryce... Justin Fields didn't turn the ball over, so that's good. Because if he did, even one turnover is potentially is a Vikings win. Yep. Even with six turnovers, so, and then he led led them in rushing, twelve carries, fifty nine yards, and like you said, DJ Moore just seems to find a way to be fantasy relevant in this poor offense. And I can't remember what receiver said it, but it was said like eight years ago. It's where rece- Chicago is where receivers go to die. And DJ Moore yeah. seems to be defying that right now because he has been He's fancy- trying his best. He is. And he has been fancy relevant where a lot of people didn't think he did. 
he would be. I didn't think it would be because I didn't think that Justin Field could sustain a top 12 receiver. Me either. And he surprisingly is. And I'm I'm just still so baffled about it, dude. <laughs> so real quick, you know, um, do you want to put your predictions in that you had at the beginning of the week? No, it's okay. The week already passed. Man. All right. Well, then I tallied that, up 14 points this week. Then I can just BS it. <laughs> yeah, we'll say I got every game right. I got every game right. There we go. We'll just roll with that. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll give you 14 it. points. That's fine. Oh, thanks, man. We'll say, we'll say we rallied the same amount of points. <laughs> I'm cool with that. Um, All right. Real quick, though, based off of this past week, who would you put as, like, your waiver wire ad of the week? Or give me three names, if you could. Man. Do you have... Keenan Mitchell. Okay. I think it's definitely one that I want to go ahead and go pick up. I'm thinking Noah Brown, if he's still available. He should be coming back next week, so he might have gotten dropped Um I double check what his availability is. Yeah, I mean, it, no Brown's a good one because he exploded there for what, like two, three weeks, and CJ Stroud seems to be loving him in that offense and is giving him the opportunity to produce, and he is producing at a high level. Yeah, right now he's only right, rostered by thirty-seven percent of teams. Yeah, I think pick him up is way more valuable than that. And he should be you know, rostered in like ninety percent of leagues at least. Yeah, he he's had like three boom weeks. Just quietly, no one wants him. Yeah, before he got injured, he was booing. Yeah, and honestly, my last one is Jahan Dotson. I just like how the Commanders' schedule is playing out for the rest of the season. You know, they got they got the Dolphins, which that's going to end up being a shootout. Sam Howell has proven that he can get the ball deep. Yeah. I love him. It's going to be a receiver that benefit from it, and it's not always going to be Terry. They got the Dolphins, then they got the Rams. So three games that are all potentially shootouts, and they're going to be passing the ball a lot. <clears throat> then you got Jets, 49ers, Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Like, tough defenses, sure, but it's going to be one of those things where they're going to be passing the ball a lot. You know, Sam Howell might be a scarier start in these upcoming weeks, but his receivers are going to be getting a lot of yards. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, especially if you have Sam Howell, Jahan Dawson is definitely worth the pickup. Get that, get that yeah. stack going, you know, because he is going to have yes, those sir. boom weeks. But I think, it, especially next year, I think he's going to be even better than this year. But for the rest of the year, I wouldn't be surprised if his basement is something like ten points. You know, me too. That's kind of where I have him. Yeah, which is very valuable. So I definitely agree with Noah Brown and and uh, Jahan Dawson. No Brown would be easier. You might be able to trade for Jahan. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might be something you want to wait out till next year. He might be a little cheaper as the time time goes on, especially if he doesn't perform like we hope he's going to perform. Yeah. But I think Noah Brown... I think he's going to. But I think Noah Brown is just going to... His price is just going to keep increasing. Here's my hot take. Jahan Dodson will get five receptions and 50 yards every week throughout the season from here on out. Damn. So you, okay. So you, the pecking order for you to be Terry McLaurin, Jahan, 
than Curtis. Yep. Yep. I don't know, man. You know what? I'll agree. Spent a first round I'll, pick on him. You know, I'll agree. I'll agree. Because Curtis Samuel has been too inconsistent for me to actually believe in him. So I think that's where I'm at. I, st- I think the commanders need that person to step up outside of Scary Terry, and I think that could be Jahan. Me too. I think that'll be him. So I'm excited to watch the rest of the season because I love Sam Howell. I think he's the answer for the Redskins or the commanders. Cool. So I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Yeah. And here's a stat for you. It's projected for the end of the season that Jahan Dotson will be targeted at nearly 100 times Oof. with 60 receptions. And he's projected to get about 200 more yards. I think he'll perform above that just because of the lineup he has coming up. So, like 400 more? 350. Respect, limit. Extra 15 receptions. I think that he'll be over 100 targets. I think he'll be around 75 receptions. I mean, 10 targets. That's worth putting in your flex spot. That last flex, especially, yeah, you know, especially you know, if you got someone that's on a bye week this this week, right? Yeah, put them in your flex, let them rip, let them go, free the man. I just, I just, I just like him more than Curtis Samuel personally. Like, I think he is better. I think that, I think now is the time that they finally start that full transition into that new commander's offense. Mm-hmm. I would agree. And I'm not surprised when it's going to happen because, like you said, they're going to start that full full transition the rest of the year. Four year threes. Into next year. Uh, Noah Brown. I love Noah Brown. And you you kind of convinced me on um, Jahan, I think. Um, My third. Honestly, Rashawn Johnson, if you can get him. You want to know one that fell right out of the window for me? What? Javante Williams. Ooh. He should be rostered in 100% of leagues, and he's only rostered in 88 and a half. Ooh. He should be, but he's not. Why do you, what do you think people are hesitant about? He's had mediocre weeks. Yeah. He's a little bit touchdown reliant, but with his receptions going up, you know, like, we're seeing him consistently get like three receptions a game on average. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he gets three receptions per game on average, and that's throughout the whole season. Just about on average, it's been with three receptions per game, you know, and you know that that adds on. Let's go ahead and say he gets twenty yards on those three receptions, which is about the average he's been game per game. He gets about seventy yards on the ground per game on average over these last five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um. Then all of a sudden, oh wow! Now he's worth like twelve points at least, and he does go and get that touchdown or two, which he's bound to with the production he's getting, the touches he's getting. It's only a matter of upside. Yeah, you know, like it's not, it's not unrealistic to be like, okay, his basement's ten points, his ceiling's twenty four, and that's a flex worthy spot. Mm-hmm. That's kind of I feel about Roshan's ass, and even though he's having a, a down year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think because he's doing bad because the Bears offense as a whole is doing so bad. Yep. But I think his time's going to come and it's probably going to be next year. I was kind of thinking it'd be the later half of this year. But it's not looking like that's the case and that's fine. I He's only rostering about 25% of the leagues. 
So if you have a taxi spot, like like in Sleeper, for example, okay. he's, he's someone I would pick up with the quickness and throw him on that taxi spot and just let him sit there. What about Michael Mayer? Are you trying to rub salt in the wound? Is that what you're doing right now? I feel like that's what you're doing right now because you beat me to him. I did? I didn't. No, still, I beat you to him. Still, still a little salty about that. Michael Mayer is intriguing. He's only rostered on 6.5% of teams. So He's an intriguing option. Like, if you have two tight ends, he's someone I'd pick up just as a third. Just sit there and let's see what happens because that's kind of what you're doing with, mo- uh, with like, the last three or four bench slots. You know, you're kind of just picking up mm-hmm. people you think have potential. And Michael Mayer is someone that has that potential. Right? He's had those yeah. games where he's looked good. Then he's had games where he doesn't really produce, but that's also due to lack of targets and lack of opportunity. So as I know I've said this before with players, but like as the year goes on, but more so into next year, he's gonna have that bounce back campaign almost because there's not not a lot of tight ends you see produce right off the bat. Right? It's just something that's yeah. not happen. There's outliers, of course. But it's not something you typically see. So there's someone He's someone you want to hold for, you know, two or three years and see what happens because he could pay off and could be, you know, produce like a Travis Kelsey or George Kill or Mark. They spent almost a first round pick on him, 35th overall pick, you know, like they're planning on him being an integral part of the offense. And he could be. He's proven that he, he's proven that he's good. Yeah. He's good. He's talented. He's big. He's good at blocking. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's no reason why he, he's not. And I think it's really just because. Well, I almost wanted to say Josh McDaniels, but I do almost think it was kind of Josh McDaniels because the offense didn't look good. The play calling was very suspect. But I think with this head coaching change, we're going to see things improve a little bit. And we're going to start seeing him get like that consistent four to five yard catches. Now we might not see a, yard, a lot of yardage, but we might see like an Enzo touchdown, you know, when they're inside the 10. Or the five or something like that. Yeah, I could see that. It's kind of where I'm at with You that. know, middle of the field working tight end. That's exactly what Michael Mayer is. That's where he excels. And But that's not where the Raiders are using him. You know, with a guy like A.N. O'Connell, that would be his best friend if they were using, using him correctly. And with a guy like Damian Pierce, you know, he's got a Super Bowl ring under his belt. Right. You know, he's, he's one of the Giants that took down that unbeatable Patriots team and you know we're looking back at it and mm. salty you know rubbing the salt in the twice guy. my guy that's that's messed up man can't believe you've done this right now can't believe you've done this any closing remarks uh yeah I hope the Steelers keep losing <laughs> that's all I got so sad well thank you guys for tuning in don't forget to drop a like, a subscribe, follow us on Facebook. Don't forget to throw me a follow on twitch.tv slash information. Uh, obviously, if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and pin us. Make sure that you're catching all of our uploads live. Uh, Apple Music, Apple Pods, you know, make sure that you're keeping us followed up. Get that bell icon going. The whole nine. Follow us on Twitter. Everything. We want to indulge you in football all the time. So, We appreciate you guys, and with that being said, I hope you have a great night, and goodbye. Good night.